0: I wanted to look at something I was studying a little bit this week, and, and I, I kind of wrestled with it a little bit, and then I just I felt like I almost passed by it. But the Lord uh, started opening up some things to me that I felt like I should go ahead and use this text. In John chapter 4, we're going to look at 43 through 53, and here's the question I'm going to ask you tonight. What type of faith do you have? What type of faith? And, and there's hidden in here. I, I, I was going through this and it was like the Lord kind of opened up that I seen that there was a four types of faith in these verses that He wanted us to see and to challenge us. what type of faith do we have? What type of faith do I have? What type of faith do you have? If you have that tonight, if you'll turn or if you'll stand uh, with me, uh, John chapter four. Verse 43 says, now after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. For then when he come into Galilee and the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders ye will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. And Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believeth the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour When he began to amend, and they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. And he himself believed, and his whole house. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. We thank you, Lord, that God, that we can have complete confidence and faith in you. God, You want us to put our complete trust and confidence in You. Lord, if we can trust in You, there is not one thing we pray for. There's not one thing that we come to You for that You can't do, and even abundantly more than that. And God, it's all based on our faith in You. And God, I pray that You would challenge our faith. You would stir our faith. And that God, we would leave here with an abundance of faith, knowing that You have everything and all ability In Jesus' name we pray, bless this sermon, and God, you speak in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. What type of faith do you have? Now, if you look at the chapter before this, Jesus has spent two whole days with people. He came to this woman at the Samaritan well, and uh, he talks to her, and in fact, it's, pretty remarkable it's one of the few times that he just comes right out and says and she's kind of questioning him at one point because he's telling her all the things in her life and he knows that she's had uh, her marital situations he knows all the details of her life and she starts picking up that he's maybe okay he's a teacher he's a, he's a Jew first and then maybe he's a teacher and then maybe he's a prophet but at the very end she's questioning says you know scripture says that basically the messiah's coming and he says I am he. He actually identifies and says and tells this woman, I am he. She runs back to the town. She tells them, come and see this man. He's told me everything in my life. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? They came and when they heard Jesus speak themselves, there was such a power of what he said That Scripture said many believed because of what she said, but when they came, many, many more believed because of what he said. And at the end of that chapter, or those verses, rather, it's saying, telling the woman, hey, we don't believe now because of what you said. We believe because of what we just heard, what he said. And their faith was in him because they heard the words of life. And they said, this is without a shadow of a doubt the Messiah. This is the Son of God. He spent two days there. He spent two days there. There was such a great faith. They took hold of faith because the words of life that they heard. Many of us, that's the same thing that happened to us. We've been in church services or we've listened to something on the radio or somewhere else or even some of our family could have been telling us about the things of God. And there was a burning that happened within our soul. And because of the things that we heard, there was a a faith that took hold of us and started working on us to where we realized we needed that and we surrendered herself, But the next, so that's where Jesus is just left when we come into these. He spent two days there. That's why verse 43 says, Now after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. So he's come out of the Samaritans and from Samaria, and he's came into Galilee. In verse 44, John the the, the writer here puts in this clause and I had to, I, you know I had to think about these things a little bit for it says for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country we see that this verse 44 this word honor there means value it's saying that Jesus, and we're going to look where Jesus said that. He's referring back to that, and I'm thinking about why did you point us back? Why are you talking about what Jesus said? I mean, this is not—he's not back in his hometown. He's referring to, and of course, Jesus has come from some place where there was great faith, and he's coming back into toward his people. And there is no faith. He knows that there's going to be a there's going to be a struggle with faith, and, and he's given us a clue that there's reason that there is. Jesus says that a prophet hath no honor or value in his own people. Uh, he's telling us that when Jesus said this, and he's referring to Matthew chapter thirteen fifty seven, it says, and this is when Jesus come home. Jesus come home, and he's preaching to his own people, and here's what he says to him. He says. When they didn't believe him. Because they knew him. Because they was so familiar with him. It says. And they were offended. He preached. Let me read that. They were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them. A prophet is not without honor. Value. Save in his own country. Or in his own house. So what is Jesus talking about there? He is saying. That. Uh, that. Because. You knew me so well. You didn't. Trust who I truly am. We see that the one thing that can happen when you, and so the first thing we're looking at here is what he's talking about in this verse 44, is people can have a rejected faith. A rejected faith. They can, do you know you can refuse the very thing that God wants to do in your life? God, even tonight, we don't see what God's doing on the spiritual. We don't see what God's doing in our lives. It would be so wonderful if we did. Sometimes it would be scary. But when we come in the presence of God, many times God is right there with an opportunity that He wants to do something in every one of your lives. Not just me, not just someone else, you. And God has a purpose that He wants to do something in your life. And the question is, will we trust Him to do it? Will we believe Him? How many times, and that's we're looking at faith, how many times... Has our faith been lacking and we walk away from what God wants to do in our life? Why is faith so important? Because it costs us something when we don't have it. Faith is such a powerful thing. You have to have it to get saved. You have to have it to get filled. You have to have it to get healed. You have to have it. When God works in your life, you look at all the miraculous things. We're looking a lot on Wednesday nights about the miraculous. The things that people receive is because of one thing. They had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we are looking at. And the first thing is there is a rejected faith. There is a faith that because uh, we don't believe what he can do, we walk away from the very thing. It's right there. The potential's there. The power's there. The, the availability is there, and we walk away from it. Why is that? How can we reject? One reason is because we become casual with the things of God. We, we, we come to church on Wednesday or we come on Sunday or whatever, and we say, well, I can tell you how the service is going to go. We're going to do this. We're going to sing three songs. We're going to take an offer. We're going to, you know, a special song. We're going to have a preaching. We're going to have a little prayer, and we're going to go to the house. And sometimes we can get so casual in the things of God that we kind of pre-program what's going to happen, and we're kind of watching or watch. We miss the fact that God is standing right there wanting to do something in our life. And we're sitting here and what he's talking, what he's, this, the, John is pointing us back is that we're getting ready to look at faith. And the first type of faith is the one that Jesus said that he went to his own people. Now, would Jesus not do more for his own family than for anybody? I mean, you love your family more than anybody else. And so if there was anything Jesus was going to offer, you sure wouldn't shortchange your own family, your own neighbors, those people that you love the most. And we see that he came and his, they'd heard all the good things he was going to do. And we won't read that, but he gets and he preaches the word and it's powerful. They, they, they're, they're pretty impressed. Man, that is powerful stuff. Then all of a sudden, their own mind becomes their greatest enemy and they start discounting everything. Now, wait a minute. This man talks like he's the Messiah. This man talks like he's something from God, but we knew him when he was young. So, they discounted what God could do in their life, and they walked away from it. And it says that uh, uh, that they were they were offended in Him, they were angry with Him. They were they discounted Him. They didn't have any value or honor in Him, because they said, "You can't be who you say you are. You can't be who you sound like you are," because we knew you. And sometimes I looked at that and thought, Lord, sometimes how many times have I come and made your your possibility that what you want to do the faith was not there when you were right there wanting to do a work in our life so we don't want to become casual and just go through the motions and miss out on what God we don't want to reject what he's got sometimes we can become calloused we uh we push God off and God's moving and we don't have time for God right now and God's trying to stir us maybe to step out God's trying to stir us to dig in deeper God's trying to do some things in our life and we push him off and push him off until finally our heart becomes numb to the things of God and we can have just like your fingers. If you work them really hard, you have cal- I don't have a lot of calluses. Eddie probably has a bunch. I don't have any calluses right now. But it's because the more we work something, the tougher it gets to where we don't feel the way we used to feel. And so, this, I just wanted to touch that one, is that we don't want to have a rejected faith, the possibilities of what God wants to do. He comes and He makes it available to us, and we say, not now, Lord. There's some people that completely reject and say, I can't understand how you could do it anyway, therefore it's impossible. And they walk away from it. The things that God wants to do, because in their own minds they can't conceive how God can do it, and they don't even get saved, they don't have any... A uh, 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 commitment to the things of Christ Because it seems like something they can't understand Sometimes education can be your worst enemy When it comes to the, something like that So I hope and I pray that I don't think anyone in here tonight Has rejected faith That we would say no, I, I don't, not now, not this time But it goes on and it tells us in verse 45 It talks about a different type of faith And, and tonight I'm calling that a conditional faith Do you think maybe you've ever had a conditional faith? Verse 45 says, Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galilees, the Galileans received him, it means accepted him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for, he, for they also went unto the feast. What's it talking about here? There, it's talking about that these, these Jews had went down to Jerusalem when he had just been there and they had seen him drive uh, the temple, the, the changers, the money changers, and all the animals out of the temple. And they'd also seen him do some miracles. And because he did those things, they believed he was a mighty teacher, a healer. They had partial faith, they could only believe him for what they could see him do. Sometimes we struggle with that. We limit God. A a conditional faith is a limiting faith. We limit what God can do based on what we can believe or see. And, and, And it's easy for us to... I can tell you there's been many times I found myself limiting what God could do because in my mind, I couldn't see how He could do it. I couldn't see how He could do it. He's encouraging us here to not limit him to trust him to be able to do what you can't even think it says that he's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or even think you 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 can't limit god with what you think you can't even limit god by what you ask because god can do abundantly more and there is faith there is people that are limited and limiting what God can do. God, you can go this far and that's as far as I can see you do. If you do it the way I want you to do it, then you can probably do it, but you have to do it the way I want. And there is a limit. He's talking to these Galileans. He's in fact he's getting ready to scold them in a minute as he talks to this man that we read about. He's letting them he's going to let them know, you unless you see the miracles, unless you see the miracles, you won't believe. He said the same thing to, the, to those that were uh, that He fed with the loaves and the fishes and they was following him everywhere. They weren't following Him because they trusted Him to be the Savior. They were following Him because of the fishes and the loaves. They wanted to see Him do the miraculous. And most of His ministry, that's the kind of person that was following Him, someone who was looking for what He was going to do. It was based upon what you could see. And so He's encouraging them to not just limit your faith to a condition of what you can believe or what you can see. Let me tell you something who had a conditional faith was Thomas. We give Thomas a hard time, but we may have been just as bad if we were in that spot. Sometimes we give Peter a hard time, but I'm telling you, boy, I tell you, I I, I would like to be a little more, I am like Peter in some ways, the bad parts. But uh, were, we're looking tonight at Thomas. He had conditional faith when Jesus resurrected. He wasn't in the room when the, the word came that Jesus had risen. And the rest of the disciples were in the room together, and Jesus came, and they seen him. And they told Thomas that he had risen. And in, in John chapter twenty twenty five, and it says, The other disciples therefore said unto him, to Thomas, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my fingers into the prints of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. What's he saying there? He's saying, i seen him die. I know he died. Did you see the wounds on him? Did you see his hands, how deformed they were and the blood that was dripping from them? Did you see them shove the spear that split his side open and it pierced his heart? There's no way anybody could live through that. Unless I see who you're talking about and see that they've got those wounds, it's probably not him I'm not going to believe. And the scripture goes on in 26, it says, And after eight days, again, his disciples were therein, and Thomas with them this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut. He just came right through the wall and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. He had to say that because he probably was about to have a heart attack. Verse 27 says, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Be not faithless, but believing. You couldn't believe me, Thomas, because you couldn't see it. You can only believe what your eyes would show you. And and then it says then, Thomas, oh, he believes now. And Thomas said unto him, my Lord and my God, I believe you are who you said you are. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. And this is what he says, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas had a conditional faith. He had to see it. He had to understand it. He had to be able to process and prove what he's seen. And that's the only thing that he could understand. We are limited so many times because God can do the impossible. God wants to do the impossible. God can turn this whole catastrophe of a nation that we have right now from the disease to the politics and to the economy, to this your family's situations the whole thing. God can turn it all around. You say, that seems impossible. Would you have believed it'd be possible we'd be where we were a few months ago? It seems impossible where we are in the negative. God can turn the situation around in one day. God can turn the situation around in one day. And if we just, as His people, will call on Him and trust in Him and not have conditional faith, but say, God, my faith is limited. I don't even see how you can do it. I don't have to know how you can do it. But I can put my faith in you, Lord, because you're above it all. There's nothing you can't do. Lord, show your might and power and turn this nation. Oh, yeah. Turn this nation. Heal this nation. What does it say? If my people call my name and humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from the wicked ways. What do he say? What does he say to do? He would hear. He would forgive. And he would heal. Yeah. He would heal. He's already promised to do it if His people will call on Him. He will put us back together. He will restore hearts toward Him. And He will heal this land. That's what we need right now. And so Thomas was an example of conditional faith. These uh, Galileans were limiting what Jesus could do as to what they could see. And Jesus had come. And if you look in this crowd, not one of them, Not one of them had any needs met. Not one of them walked away changed. Why? They had conditional faith. They came, they didn't believe who He truly was. Today, I just want to ask you, and I have to ask myself, do we have conditional faith? We may not have a rejecting faith, but do we have a faith that's conditional on what we can think or see? We're going to look at the third There's four. The third faith and this one is so important, I almost missed this one. I didn't understand why it was here, but this one is obedient faith. obedient faith. Oh that's the Lord loves that. The Lord loves obedient faith. i I, I was reading that and I, I was just I kept asking the question, and why is this even in here? And uh, verse forty six gives this little clause. So Jesus came, I mean, I understand why it's there, but I thought there has to be more meaning. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. And so then it starts talking about this nobleman. It just switches. And I was like, Lord, that's, that, you don't put anything in Scripture unless it's important. There's something important here. What are you saying? Why are you referring back to this? This was his first miracle it's, it's talking about. And yes, he was back in that same area. And it's telling about, it's referring to this first miracle that Jesus did. Let's, let's read about that and see how, why that was obedient faith. that he's, re- he's referring to this, this obedient faith. It says, in, in, in the, you know, it's talking about uh, 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 in, in John chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. It's the wedding feast or the wedding for this uh, this marriage supper. And they they run out of wine. And it says, and, and so they, they're in a mess, by the way. Before I read that, they're in a mess. The, the, they were getting ready to run out of wine. And, and they probably didn't even know it. They're probably very poor. And they didn't have the resources. And there was this big group of, of, of people there that were expecting them to supply food and, and and supply their needs. And the governor of the feast, and they've, they've ran out of everything. And so we see that the word got to Mary, and she, and she, as soon as she found out that they were in a mess, could have been family. She says to the servants, uh, to to go to Jesus, and she comes to him and says to him, gives him the need. Hey, they're out of wine. What are we going to do? And he's, you know, that's where he says, Well, what what is this to do with me? What do you want me to do, Mom? What are you asking me to do? My time is not yet come. What do you want me to? Do? And verse five says. His mother saith un, soon as he said that, soon as he said that, she already had faith. We see it right here. We see that his mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Don't ask any questions. Don't ask any questions. We see this mother's faith. And what's amazing here is she's never seen him do a miracle before. This is his first miracle. And she already believes because she knows who he is. She knew where he came from. She knew who spoke to her. She knew who touched her. She knew he had a purpose. And she had been watching him for 30 years now. She'd watched him right. She'd been in that temple when it was missing him and heard him speaking to the rest of the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And he was amazing them as a young boy. She knew God. This was God's son. And she knew. Moms have a way to know things. They can see things in their kids that nobody else can. They see what you're capable of. They see your potential. And they will try to draw it out. of She knew it was time. Hey, the, the, Jesus didn't have to do the first miracle. She knew. This was mom. She knew it was time for him to step out and take hold of that ministry that God had given him and his father had given him. And it says that she told him, whatever he says to do, do it. So we see the mother's faith. She knows he can do it. But Then we're going to see the servant's faith. This one's risky. And it says in verse 6, and there And there were six water pots of stone after this manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Big pots. And Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they began to fill them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. Now if you read that really quickly, you will not see the faith that it took to do that. These were not peers. These were servants. And what he's telling them to do, Jesus didn't do any prayer over it. It shows here in Scripture. He didn't come over and say, be made wine. And scripture doesn't say anything. All he said was, servants. The mother already said, whatever he says, do it. You may have a test of faith, but do it because I know who he is. And he says, "Fill these water pots with water." And so they are the ones that filled them with water. They knew nothing else had happened. Nobody poured anything in them. They knew. They looked in them. It looked like it did just about five minutes ago when they finished filling them. It looked like the same thing. But he said, "Take to the governor and let him drink." And we see that the uh, the servants did it. Their neck was in a noose if they walked up to that governor and him expecting one thing and ended up with water. I remember one time uh, at First Pentecostal, Vernon uh, Jarvis, Pastor Jarvis, was thirsty, kind of like I am tonight. I almost went and got one of the water up here in the thing. But I, I, so I can relate to that right now. But uh, he was thirsty. And he got coughing on a Sunday morning. And it's a pretty good-sized crowd. And uh, so he, uh, he started coughing, and he asked uh, Ed Miller. You all know Ed Miller and said, Ed, uh, could you get me something to drink? And he's coughing and stuff. So Ed run back in the kitchen and got a cup, and he come back, and what Brother Jarvis didn't know was, I guess he thought it was better, it was going to be better than water. He went back there, and for some of the kids' things, they had Kool-Aid back there. Instead of getting water, he got Kool-Aid. And so he brings that cup back, and you can't see through it, and so Brother Jarvis is preaching, and all of a sudden he takes a drink, and if you could have seen his eyes... (laughs) You could have seen what he rallied response. He almost spit it out. He looked in it and he was. <laughs> he started coughing. He said, "This is Kool-Aid." He couldn't believe it. You know. So it was the other way around. So this would have been the same thing if this man would have expected one thing, and what he really found was. <clears throat> This is water. What do you think you're doing? And it would almost been a rebuke to these servants because they would have let Him down. They would have come and, and embarrassed Him in front of everyone else. But they had to put faith in who Jesus was even though He didn't do anything that they could see. But when that water, when, when he, they did what He told them to do, then something happened. And so we can see that there was an obedient faith. Obedient faith is focused on the one who speaks the words rather than the impossibility of those words coming to pass. Let me say that to you again. Obedient faith is when you focus on who Jesus Christ said the words instead of what He's asked you to do. Because if you trust Him and you put your complete confidence in Him, then no matter what He says, you can have confidence He's going to do it because you see who you're talking to. He's the one that created you. He's the one that created the universe. He's the one that's our Savior so we can put our complete confidence in him. Hey, listen, Peter walking on water was obedient faith. Matthew 14, 28, and says, and Peter answered him, talking about Jesus, was walking on the water. They couldn't see, by the way. They couldn't tell for sure it was him. The storm was moving and it was, he was at a little distance to them. And he, they and he and Jesus is talking to them, and they think it's the Lord. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Now, right there, right then, there's already faith. He's saying, Lord, if it's you, I know Peter, by the way, is the one who said. When Jesus asked, who am I? You're the living son. You're the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You are Jesus Christ, the son of God, the living God. And so the same person says, Lord, if it's you, because I know who you are, you can let me come walk into you. And what is Jesus' response? One word, come. It's me. And you can, that's all you got to have. That's all he had to have. To walk on water is one word because his faith was in that man. It wasn't on the storm at that moment. We see where his focus gets off and he struggles. But we see his focus was on who said it instead of what the impossibility was. But as soon as he took his focus off, we see that he struggled. Hallelujah. So we see this man in verse 46. We see this man that's, that's going to struggle with his faith. His faith is going to grow right in this story. You're going to see he's going to start out with a conditional faith. A conditional faith. And he's going to move after Jesus speaks to him. He's going to move into an obedient faith. We're going to see that he says in 46. And there was a certain nobleman. By the way, this man was a, that, that means that he was a court official in Herod's court. This man was a very powerful man. But no matter how powerful you are, there comes times when you're humble because the very thing that you can't fix or buy or get a favor, I mean, Herod could have fixed anything for him, but he couldn't fix this one. His little baby boy was dying. And he was 17. you got to understand this, what he was going through. He had walked 17 miles when he heard Jesus was coming to get to Jesus because he'd heard this was this man was a healer. And he came believing. If I could get him, his conditional faith was this: is that he says in uh, it says that uh, in verse forty six, there was a, a a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum, seventeen miles away. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went into unto him. Here's his condition: he besought him that he would come down. And heal his son because he was at the point of death. He thought, in my mind, if I can get him to come back with me and touch him, I know, I've heard that if he touches you, you can be healed. It was conditional. Yeah. He believed. He had faith. But it was conditional. Lord, I believe if you do it the way I think you can do it, then you will do it and I'll see my need met. I, and he, But he was a desperate person because the only thing that he couldn't fix was the health of his kid or his family. He couldn't fix that. Doctors couldn't fix it. In fact, it says in this story that he is at the point of death. He's terrified that the word's going to come to him before he even gets back, that he's already dead. And so he's desperate. And so he comes and humbles himself before the Lord, and he wants him to come and touch his son. You know, Jesus actually... This is not the, the last time that he was in this area and was going through this, there there was another man who was an official who came, and it was the centurion. And that centurion said, Lord, he had he had a very he had an amazing faith. If I were to turn that an amazing faith, who said, Lord, no, 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 you I'm not worthy. You just say the word. This is what Jesus is looking for, Lord. You, I know who you are. You are a man of authority, and you have all power. And you, no, you don't come to me. I'm not worthy. I, I'm humbled before you. I'm a powerful man, but I'm nothing compared to you, Lord. You don't even come in my house. You just say the word. You just say the word. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. This man is sitting there thinking he has faith, but it's not very powerful. It's very, you know. the Scripture says if we have faith as a mustard seed. We can tell a mountain to be cast in the sea. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, just give me this faith of a mustard seed. Yeah. That little bitty, teeny little faith. Lord, must not I must not have any faith sometimes. Lord, I want to, you to do more. I want to see. and I, I've been seeing him do some things, but I'm not satisfied. I want more. God, grow my faith. Lord, water that thing. Uh, Lord, let me see more and more to where God, it becomes an abundant faith. And so we see that he's asking him, Lord, please heal my son. Come with me. Come back to my house, seventeen miles away, and if you'll go through the motions like I think you will, then he'll be healed. And then Jesus rebuked. Not he. Now, if you read this in the King James, you'll miss this one little part, and I'll help you because it's a plural word. You, it, but the way they've interpreted it, it's a. It should be plural. It says, "Then Jesus saith unto him," that word is plural. It's not him. It's not just him. He's talking. He's talking to him. Have you ever heard, uh, or even Jesus many other times, he talked to somebody, but he wanted everyone else around them to hear what he was saying. He's rebuking them. And in fact, it's like he's saying, you people, is what it basically is saying. You people, it says that except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He's talking to those with conditional faith. He's saying, for you people that think that I've got to go jump through all the hoops you want me to jump through just to prove I am who I am. You never believe me. You can't see who I truly am. You can't see what I can do. You can't trust me unless I do it the way you want. You're never going to believe unless I do it the way you want. And no doubt, this you know the, the Galileans may have just missed what he was saying. But this man got it. This man understood it. Because his faith changed, he is going to change to a obedient faith. Because it goes on, he he, he pleads again. He's desperate. He actually is desperate, and he says to him in uh, verse forty-eight. Then said, uh, or, or verse forty-nine. And the nobleman said unto him, "Sir, come down ere my child die." This child is a reference, a, an affectionate reference to a small. It's, it's like he's saying, "My little lad." My little baby is going to die. Tears is probably in his face. Here, here, here's, where the, here's where the conditional comes in. Jesus isn't going to do what he wants him to do. Sometimes the Lord is not going to answer the prayer the way you think he is. Right. Sometimes I could tell you there's been so many times that I have prayed and thought, God, I know exactly the way you need to answer this prayer. I know exactly how you can do this. It's so perfect. I know this has got to be your will. It is so Perfect. It's so perfect, it's got to be from you. But he didn't do it that way. It went When, when his, one of his best friends, Lazarus, was dying, they sent the word to him. They had the perfect solution. Lord, he's almost dead. If you just get here in time, conditional faith, you just get here in time, before he dies, you can heal him. We trust you. We believe you. We've seen it. We know. But Lord, it's conditional. You've got to get here before he dies. But we see... He didn't answer the way that he thought. And Mary was hurt. Mary was even angry. Mary had tears in her eyes. In fact, when he first asked her to come, she didn't even want to come. But finally she came come to him and what did she say? Lord, if you would have just come, if you would have just done what I asked you to do, if you would have done it the way I wanted you to do it, if you would have just listened to what I said, I sent the word, did you get the word? Yeah, I got the word. Then why didn't you come? If you would have done it the way I wanted, this thing would have turned out differently. Lord, please, why didn't you come? Tears flowing down her face. But Jesus knew that she was going to have the outcome she was looking for. But there was going to be an abundant power of God to be able to move a testimony of who this truly is. Because Jesus is not limited to doing it your way. He can take the impossible. He can take it all the way to death. He can take the, He can do on a cross what no one else can even see that he can do. He can do the impossible that you can't even imagine. And so He was able to raise the dead, not just heal those before. He wasn't limited by death. If He was limited by death, how can you and I believe that He was ever going to raise us? How can we ever believe there will be a resurrection if we don't see that He can raise the dead? And then He raises Himself. So we see that He said to him in verse 50, Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way. Go thy way. But then he says, "Thy son liveth." Now, it's that's not easy, because we're going to see in just a just a there's a period I think here or there's a comma, a period, that's going to there is a pause. A period means break, right? There is a little pause there. The question is, what's he going to do? Jesus says, "Go that way." Thy son liveth. Now he is seventeen miles from that answer. Jesus is moving on. If he goes back, his son will either be dead, he will not have time to come find him again, or there's a possibility that he's telling the truth. He already had conditional faith, but he just heard Jesus rebuke him and the whole crowd because you can't believe me for what you can't see me do. You've got to have it your way or you can't believe me. Today, so many times in her life, you can't believe me because you can't figure out in your head how I'm going to do it. And why are you limiting what I can do by the fact that you can't see it or it's got to be your way? And something rose up in this man. Something rose up in this noble man. He was a leader. He understood authority too. But all of a sudden, he took hold of an obedient faith. Something rose up and he said, he heard the way he said it. He seen the way he said it. And something said, you just did it. That prayer that I prayed a few weeks ago, there was something in that prayer that God let me know. I did it. I couldn't see it. I didn't have anything to prove it. I just felt something in my spirit. I did it. You can stop praying now. You can stop crying now. And the Lord answers. And this is what He did to this man. Go thy way. Thy son liveth. Have You ever had anybody lie to you before? You ever had anybody tell you to do something? They're going to do something, and then you find out they didn't. You get on the phone, go through tech support for 40, forty-two hours, and they, they don't do it. And you have to start the process. There is times that you get disappointed, but never when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You will never be disappointed. He will never let you. He may not do it the way you want him to do. There may be things you don't have complete answers on, but He is always perfect when He does it. And it goes on after that period. There is a there is a process. What is He going to do with what Jesus said? And it says, and the man. Believed. The man took hold of what he said. He took hold of it. And he believed him. How do we know he believed him? When they come and find him in just a minute and tell him, it's not just a minute. Now, he is 17 miles away from home. Now, if your child is dying, if your child is dying and you're four hours, uh, they thought that it would take about four hours to get back home, you would just run home. You would just get there any way you could. You'd pay somebody to run you on a horse. When he finds those servants that meets him on the path home, it's the next day. The next day he he comes upon these servants that we're going to look at. Let me tell you something about God. Uh, 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 the people who had obedient faith and God rewarded them. Abraham had obedient faith when he left everything to follow God. Joshua had obedient faith when they marched around Jericho seven times. Daniel had obedient faith when he prayed no matter what the cost. Gideon had obedient faith when he marched down a hill with 300 men to face 135,000. Peter had faith when he stepped out on the water. This nobleman had faith when he trusted Jesus would do what he said he would do. And the question is, is I pray you and I, do we have obedient faith? Do we, are we able to say, Lord, I trust you even if I can't see it, even if I don't know what you're going to do. If you put in my heart that if I keep praying for that, that husband or that wife or that cousin or brother or sister or my children or grandchildren or whoever it is, if I trust you, Lord, if you've given me confirmation, I can't see anything happening. I can't see anything that's changing. But if you, Lord, because of who you are, I'm going to believe you. That's what obedient faith. I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to be trusting in that. And finally, this one will be quick. We see that because he's seen that God was faithful, he moved into, and this is the ultimate. This is the one we all, to get saved, we have to, there is a saving faith. We see, and it's the most important. Verse 51 says, And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, He sees him coming, by the way. And he knows good or bad news is coming down that road. And I, I feel like every step he took, there was more faith and more faith as he kept thinking about what he said. And he kept realizing that he trusted in him. And I believe the moment that he trusted, that's when this happened. And it says, and he told him saying, thy son liveth. Wasn't that some of the most beautiful words he ever heard? What? Thy son liveth. Thy son liveth. And so we see that he understood that his obedience in faith, now he could trust this was more than a man. This was more than a prophet. This man, no doubt, was the son of God. This was the Messiah. And it's, we know in verse four, 52, Then he inquired of them the hour when he began to amend. When did he start getting better? And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, At 1 p.m. Yesterday. They knew the exact moment because it was such a dramatic change. The fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. And he himself and his whole house believed. They believed. They believed. They believed in him as more than just a healer. They believed in him as their saviour. I, I can relate as as, as we uh, I wrap this up tonight. I've told you this before, but it was it was so much the same as far as I'd never seen anything like that. The time when my wife was sick, very sick, I come and stood on a Sunday morning, stood in line for her in prayer, worried about her, was really thinking about cutting out early to get back to her. This is many years ago, and she hadn't been out of the bed for a few days, and she was just really sick, and she begging me to get him to pray for me, and. Uh, I stood in line, and they was anointing me, and I had my hands and had a watch and lifted my hands, and of course, you know the story. Uh, as they were praying, and a bunch of people were all around me, anointing me with oil, I felt like the Lord, or something inside me said, look at your watch. And I thought, mm-mm. <laughs> and then kept praying, and I said, thank you, Jesus. I know you're going to, you know, look at your watch. Mm-mm. Can't do that. They'll think I'm carnal, Lord. I know that can't be you. That's the most carnal thing I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> And then it was almost like a shout in my inside my spirit. Look at your watch. It's so I thought, oh, okay, Lord, okay, okay. And I looked, you know, like like 11:27 uh, or 11:17, I guess 11:17 maybe. And I looked, and I thought, well, what was that about? Didn't I have a clue. So church, and I wanted to leave early, but I stayed for the whole thing. And I finally got home. I run home as soon as church is over. She wasn't in the bed. And I thought, oh no, well where's she at? What's happened? And then I hear the shower running. And then she shuts it off, and she comes out, and she is totally different. Amen. And I'm like, honey, what happened? And she said, uh, you won't believe it. She says, I was just laying there, and it was just like that. Totally, totally different. Totally felt better. And so I thought I just got to get up and take a shower. I felt so good, and I'm hungry. And I said, honey, and then all of a sudden my mom was taken back to this watch. I said, honey. You know what's the odds of this? What time did it happen? Oh, it's that's funny you ask because I looked. 11:17. 17. 17 This is the same thing. This man knew the time that Jesus had spoke those words, and because he held on with faith, Jesus proved to him, "I've got every. De- I don't have to do it the way you want me to do it. You don't have to give me the blueprint." I knew your life before you took it. I know everything about you and way past you all the way through time. I know everyone that's in this house tonight. I know what you're going through. I know the circumstance. I want to build your faith because if you can believe me, even maybe somebody online, if you can believe me, that impossible task that you're facing, whatever it is, God is the answer. And if you can have obedient faith, that you can get a hold of him and you can believe who he is and what he can do. It's the same faith that we get saved. We can trust him to save us because we're so miserable. But can we trust him to do more? Does it take any more to do something miraculous in our life than it does to take us from a sinner to a saint? Does it take any more of God's power to do anything great? That's the greatest transformation of all. God can do anything if we can trust him. So to, tonight, I, I definitely pray that nobody has rejected faith and that we, we evaluate our faith to make sure it's not just conditional faith, but that it be obedient faith. Because obedient faith, oh, it, just, it leads others to realize there's a saving faith because you can put your confidence and trust in Him. He's just as powerful tonight as He ever has been. And He's looking for those because without faith, it is impossible to please Him can't do it he wants to do something tonight if you could stand with me tonight and let's pray tonight let me pray heavenly father i i thank you lord for your words of encouragement Lord that you want us to trust you with all of our might and so God I know that Lord the preacher needs to be the first God because I want greater faith Lord because I want you to be able to do anything you want to do Lord in my life and my family Lord in this church and our families God our community our nation God whatever it is God don't let us limit you By rejecting you, don't don't let us limit you by trying to make it conditional. But God, let us be obedient to whatever you want to do. Let us get our eyes on you, God, and learn who you truly are and how mighty and powerful you are. And God, let faith grow. That we ask you, God, that it starts by asking hard things because, God, you can do it. Sometimes we're too afraid to even ask, God. Because, God, you want people to ask, but you want them to believe as they ask. And Lord, you can do the miraculous. Lord, I don't know what people's going on tonight. I don't know what's going on in their lives. I don't know what things they're facing. But God, I want their faith to grow. That God, they can see you as the answer. That Lord, they can't see how you can fix it, but they realize who the source is that they're going to put their confidence in. Lord, for some, maybe even tonight, they could even be watching. They don't know you. Their source has to be on you to get saved. They have to trust in you as their Savior. Lord, it's in no other but the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that you would have your way. God, give us victory tonight. Lord, bring down strongholds, open our eyes, bring scales off of our eyes that we can see who you truly are and trust you to do the miraculous. Lord, we believe that tonight.